Hello and welcome back to the Drinks with Heavy podcast. I hope you're all staying safe and well. Today's episode is with Henrietta Lovell, also known as the Rare Tea Lady. In 2004, Henrietta founded Rare Tea Company to source and supply the world's best tea direct from farmers and their tea gardens. Today we discuss the importance of where your tea comes from and how to use it when creating cocktails. Let's get into the episode. Henrietta, how are you? I'm pretty good. Lovely to speak to you. Oh, it's great to have you on the podcast. I'm so happy that we've managed to do this and do it from home as well. I know it would be nicer together over a cup of something or a glass of something delicious, but I have got a really wonderful cup of tea in front of me. Oh, that's how it should be done. What tea do you have? Right now I'm drinking a tea we call uh, Emperor's Breakfast, which is a black China tea. Not a, mm. not a blend. We think of breakfast teas as blend, but something mm. from a single place in Yunnan. And it's, it's chocolate, caramel, oh, rich, smooth, silky, almost no tannins, just the kind of thing you want for breakfast when you don't want the milky cup. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, because I'm actually not a... I, I don't do milk in my teas, so that sounds right up my street. It's a little bit like um, putting lemonade in your red wine. Nothing wrong with that. And it can be delicious, you know, to make a cocktail with wine and add things to it. But sometimes you have a really gorgeous, I don't know, I'm not a great wine expert, but let's say a, a Chateau Lafitte something, something crew, 1907. It's super exquisite. And that you want to enjoy all the nuances of it. So you wouldn't add anything to it. And sometimes you get a tea like that, that it would just be such a shame to put milk or sugar or anything in because it's it's got everything in one. Yeah, that makes the big stuff's are actually a really, really good way of describing it. It makes perfect sense. Um, and I guess that leads on to perfectly uh, to tell us a bit about who you are and what you do and why we're talking so much about tea. <laughs> well, they call me the tea lady. Um, mm-hmm. I am the tea lady. My... Uh, my Instagram is Rare Tea Lady because I have a company called Rare Tea Company, which I started in 2004. And I usually, in my old life, I would spend my time traveling the world, visiting tea gardens and buying direct trade tea from people who are crafting and making it to be the best tea it can be. I love it. I love it. So um, with everything that's going on right now, What's your day-to-day like now? What what are you having to do and how has your business had to adapt to what's going on? Well, um, I've got a rocket up my ass. is what I've got. Because <laughs> I, I used to sell my tea to the hospitality industry. That was the main people. When I first started buying single estate and, and blending, buying these beautiful teas that didn't come in a packet in a tea bag, I find it very difficult to persuade the general public that they would pay more for something good it was a, it's got a little easier now over the years we drink craft beer we drink craft gin and people understand the value of wine cheese you know pay, pay a bit more for what you get but it was back in 2004 it was really hard but chefs bartenders people who love flavor they got it straight away so I found my my world very easily among people who who make drinks and food. 
They mm. always wanted the best ingredients. They always wanted to serve the best stuff. And unfortunately, you know, we've suffered just as much as um, as our as our friends and family in the hospitality industry because we don't have a route to market for our tea now. But there's hope, <laughs> and um, hope springs eternal. And you know, we support communities so much more vulnerable than our own. I mean, people on tea farms don't have the luxuries that we have. We haven't got an established value market. So you know. But restaurants and bars might understand the value of tea, but the general public still goes generally to buy a tea bag from the shelf in a supermarket. And that is not an equitable, fair exchange of goods for services, let's say. Yeah. Um, life expectancy on tea garden in East Africa, where between 40 and 60% of the tea in your tea bag is going to come from, could be as low as the 40s. There's a reason wow. why tea bags are cheap. Somebody's getting it in the neck, and those are vulnerable communities. And so the work we do trying to sell a different kind of tea, a value tea for those communities and bring them a, a route to market and a play, way of getting out of that poverty trap that they're stuck in with commodity tea is a vital lifeline and it can change the world. It needs to, well, that desperately needs changing, not just now, but always long-term sustainable change. And so I've got to find a new route to market for them now and always, and I can't just give up. So... Um, we have a direct-to-consumer um, outlet. We have the website. So now we try really hard to build that business direct-to-consumer. Yeah. It's a challenge, though, because I've been doing this since 2004, and I haven't got that far, and now I've got to do it overnight. Yeah, it's definitely it's the same for a lot of businesses, isn't it, where that everything they, they've been doing that's worked has suddenly disappeared and you have to get very creative to keep things going. Yes, and it's no good just giving up and saying, oh, well, you know, it didn't, my business can't work. Your business has to work. I mean, if it's for your employees, if it's um, for all the community around you and for communities outside of where we are. I mean, we're, the drinks world is very connected to the rest of the world through the producers. And we have to find... Um, ways to keep on supporting them in good times and bad yeah so as as well as um for the people who are in the communities that are growing tea and producing tea what sort of can you explain to us what the importance is of of where and how our tea is sourced for yes. for those who have no idea about it yeah so imagine um uh, you're a farmer uh, in malawi mm -hmm. and you're growing your tea and you've, you're producing the best quality tea you can to get the best price you can. But instead of it being sold for its value, it goes, it ends up in, a, in an auction. And the people who are buying that tea at auction are big, huge multinationals. And they really control the market. There's a very little market that's knocked over about five guys, five entities. You know, you've got Unilever, Tata Industries, and then these big brokers who supply the smaller brands. And they can control the price. They're, I mean, I don't want to get myself in really terrible hot water and get sued, but it, would be, it wouldn't be improbable to suggest that there might be a cabal that controls the price of tea and keeps it as low as possible. And there's also a price war with people drinking less and less black industrial tea you know, young people are not that interested in a cheap commodity industrial tea in a bag. The 
shareholders of these big corporations, these big companies are going to lose money if, if people drink less of them. So they'll just pay less for it. And so they put pressure on the producers to make it cheaper and cheaper so that their shareholders can continue to get a nice fat return. So that means when you buy your big commodity tea bag, you're supporting the shareholder and not the farmer. And that really is the case. I mean, there's massive um, poverty issues in India, Sri Lanka, and, and in East Africa, where the majority of our tea for tea bags comes from. And it's not getting better, it's getting worse. In the, in the years that I've been working in tea, I've seen standard living drop rather than increase. So we could say developing world, but it would be an inaccuracy in tea mm. communities. And there's a only way out of that is direct trade, where you buy from a farmer directly the price he needs to, to run his business and support his farm and his community. Mm. not leave it to the hands of commodity markets and the big brokers but to take the responsibility and forge a relationship with a producer as the way we would in wine you know people, wine is bought from a vineyard yeah. not from an auction yeah it's definitely it's there's there's obviously a very very long way to go but obviously in a in a simple term we can support by simply buying from the rare tea company Yes, that would be wonderful. Please. But also, let's—I mean, we do ship globally, and we have, you know, warehouse in Dallas and Shanghai, and we really try to be able to supply tea everywhere in the world. But if you don't want to buy rare tea, please do look to see that the person you're buying your tea from knows where the tea comes from. So yeah, look at their Instagram. Some... Look at their website. Do they have real relationships with these people? Because it's really hard to fuck over somebody you know and if you're to buy yeah. it from a broker it's really easy you know oh you know I just need some Earl Grey tea I'll buy a couple of kilos of Earl Grey tea I don't know where it comes from or who it's affecting but you know I, it makes it a nice easy life to put a nice branding on it but if you're buying from a farmer who's really struggling to look after his global his wider community you're going to do what you can and I think that's true of human nature. When we have that connection, when we know somebody, we're less likely to be abusive to them. Yes. I hope so, that's... anyway. Nope, <laughs> you're 100% correct. That's so true. There is a company, by the way, in America called Rare Tea Seller. That's not me. I did start <laughs> Rare Tea Company quite a few years before Rare Tea Seller with a C started. Um, and that's an ethical choice they made. I so frustrating there. when that happens. Yeah. So... Once we've got our tea, um, what can we do to get the most out of it? Because I understand that there's, it's not as simple as popping it in a cup with some boiling water. Well, it, it could be, depending on what you want to get out of it and what kind of tea it is. So if you've got a um, strong English breakfast tea and you want it to be full of tannins and strength and you're going to slip some silky milk into it, then please do pop it in some boiling water and then infuse it for a nice long time to get all the um, all the flavour dissolved into the water. But if you're taking, say, a beautiful Japanese sencha green tea and you want to get all the sweet vegetal asparagus melted butter flavours out of it, then you want to change your temperature because the solubles in tea dissolve at different temperatures, the flavours. And the sweeter, softer, more elegant flavours will dissolve at a lower temperature. So around 60 to 70 degrees C in a green tea. And, you know, if you change those degrees by 5, 10, 20, um, 
you're going to get completely different flavor profile out of your tea. So you've got the temperature and you've got the leaf to water ratio. So if you want a strong tea, and this is something people often get wrong, they think, okay, to make strong tea, I just leave it a long time. In mm. time, you're getting a lot of tannin, but you're not getting strong flavor. That's about volume in the water. You know, that if you put more tea into the water, you're going to get more flavor. So yeah. increase your leaf to water ratio for stronger tea. And then the last thing is the infusion time. So the length of time you're, you're cooking or infusing it for. And tea dissolves very, very quickly. The flavors in tea dissolve very, very quickly in hot water. So if you've got um, the higher, higher the temperature, say you're using boiling water, it won't take three, four minutes to infuse as we were told um, in the olden days when we had only had shit tea during rationing. Yeah. If you've got your ratios right, you can, the best flavors will dissolve in the first 90 seconds. Wow, um, that quickly. And then after that, you're just extracting tannin. But when you've only got really cheap industrial tea and you're using a small amount of tea to a large amount of water, you're going to have to leave it a long time to flavor that water. So it's, it was really about wartime um, instructions, but it was boiling water and a long, long steep. We're not at war anymore. We don't have to only drink industrial tea. We can drink all kinds of things and play around with it. And then there's the other way of infusing, which is an alcohol. And alcohol works oh. just like uh, hot water. It extracts really quickly. It's a solvent on tea. It's not like um, chamomile or lemon verbena or mint. Those are herbs, right? And they, they could take weeks or months to infuse an alcohol. But tea has this really special relationship with alcohol where the alcohol just strips the flavor out straight away. So if you were to take a really good Earl Grey tea, mm -hmm. like not a not a, a crappy tea bag, but a good Earl Grey tea if you, um, scented with real bergamot oil from Calabria, and you put that into, say, some gin, you used about a gram for 50 ml. It'll infuse mm -hmm. in 90 seconds at the most. You know, 45 seconds, you'll get an amazing flavor. Wow. You obviously have to use good quality tea to get great results, just like using good quality booze. But you're really the idea that you have to leave it for two or three hours is complete insanity and madness, and just people just not understanding the chemistry of tea and alcohol. Yeah, I think that's fascinating to be able to do such a quick infusion like that. Yeah, so you can make oh, a drink right there. So quick. Yeah, you could do it in thirty seconds. You could do it in ten seconds if you had a high volume alcohol to tea. So you could really make. A cocktail there and then with a tea infusion, rather. But you can also pre-prep it and strain it very through a very fine super bag, so that you don't have any particles. It will stay good forever. So you could have a pre-infused, um, you know, Earl Grey gin on the back bar that will stay stable in alcohol for you know a year, two years, five years. Yeah, it really opens up the options of what you can do with mm. cocktails, and if you've got something on a menu you need to be able to consistently make that for that period of time, something like a tea infusion to a spirit. It's adding in the flavour, but it's not It's not going to cost you money in wastage. It's No, exactly. And you can afford to use really great tea because it's only going to be a small amount. So, you know, I would use 15 grams for a bottle of gin for Earl Grey tea. Um, I would use, you know, slightly more, maybe 20 for a white jasmine tea. But when you're thinking about how many drinks that gives you and... Um, you know your your cost per serve is tiny. Your addition, yeah, and you know it's not adding any sugars. That's another thing that 
gets me quite frustrated about the bar world is like, imagine you've got this special herb called Camellia sinensis tea that has this really amazing relationship with alcohol and is not, it's not been explored, which is really sad. But also the only way it is used, you see tea a lot, is as a syrup. And um, yeah, syrup's not stopping it. So if you have a hot tea and you put, and you extract it, so you've got hot water, you put your tea in and then you strain it off. It's oxidizing, you've broken the cell structure. And so your tea is constantly deteriorating in flavor as it cools and the flavor will keep changing. It's not stable at all. And so bars have kind of got around this by making it into a syrup, but it doesn't keep the flavor stable. It's oxidizing, the oxidization is gonna continue. It's mm. just masking the flavor and stopping it from going off or making kombucha. So you haven't got um, a stable thing to work with in any way at all. And it's very sweet. Whereas if you cold extracted or alcohol extracted, so you could extract in, in, in alcohol and get a stable flavor without the use of any sugar. Or if you use cold water to extract your tea rather than hot, you don't break the cell structure. The water comes in by osmosis and leaves the cell structure whole. So you'll get a stable extraction for three or four days. Right. You just need to use time. So if you cold extracted, say, let's keep with the Earl Grey tea, if you used mm. about six grams per litre of water of a really good Earl Grey tea like ours, and then you left it overnight in the fridge to extract cold, in the morning you'd strain that and you'd have a perfectly stable tea extraction for three or four days. And you wouldn't need to use any sugar and you would have this lovely uh, lengthener for your drink that you could then choose to do whatever you wanted with. Add your sugar, your sour, your, your bitter, whatever. And it won't be full of tannin because tannin needs high temperature to dissolve. So it's super interesting. Yeah, that, that is interesting because actually using it as a mixer yeah. is actually quite a clever idea. It gives you far more control in balancing your drink. Yes, I'm going to show off a little bit now. So um, Ryan Shetty uses my tea and the dead rabbit in New York and there's punch rooms across the world from Shanghai to London, in addition hotels. You know, we've been using, we've been playing with tea. Well, well Nick Strangeway taught me about tea back in about yeah, 2005 and alcohol. And Nick still uses, Nick, Nick with, who now makes Heppel Gin, still uses my tea in his cocktails if you look at his Instagram, which is wonderful. Love it. Oh, well, well, and, um, oh, oh, and I'm in the book. I forgot. Um, I'm in a few books about cocktails. You can find me. Oh, wow. That is cool. I love a good drinks book. Which ones do you like the best? Which ones have you been reading lately? Oh, I've been drinking one called, um, reading one called All Day Cocktails. Um, and it's just a lovely, they, they sort of categorise it by ingredients so mm. it talks about an ingredient and different ways you can use that ingredient and, and what's then it say about tea builds on it it's got a few bits in fact i've got it right here two seconds that's terrible because i'll probably be so rude about it i better not you better not because it'll say something might say something i don't agree with and then i'll seem like an asshole for being mean i'm uh, i'm in precision um in jim meehan's bartender's manual i have my picture in there Really? Yeah, but I look like the president. You won't recognise me. It's this very slow shot where I'm still, <laughs> and I'm never still. So I look very grown up. <laughs> yeah, let's see. What does this book say about tea? 
just has a little bit. Oh, it's got a whole thing on teas and coffees and things. Um, Jesus, it's got proper uh, grids on brew time and everything. Oh, great. So, okay, so I sounds like a good one. Yeah, and it's, it's sort of... It so for an iced or cold brew black tea, it's recommending 50 grams of tea to one litre of water, cold water. What? Oh, and then then it's adding 50 grams sugar, <laughs> leave it for 12 hours in the fridge, and it'll give well, please, you about nine. You see, you need about 12 grams, 15 grams a litre, and no sugar. If you, wanted, yeah. if you want it to be really strong, you might go to... 20 grams 30 grams at the very most if you used 50 you'll just extract all the tannins in that in that yeah in that concentration and that's probably yeah. why there's the 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 sugar in it as well because yeah. you're sort of trying to counteract that bitterness but well, anyway listen all the people who are listening here will now become these great tea experts and the world will change it's time it's really time for people to to start playing around with their tea if you are at home and you've got time please do play it's really interesting how you changing in cold extraction one gram can really change the flavor because you've got that slow dilution and yeah. what dissolves over 12 hours in different ratios is super interesting so when you go from say you take that earl grey tea and you use six grams a liter and then you change it to 10 grams the flavor is totally different it's it's it just it just makes sense it's mm. it's, it's an ingredient it's what you would do to create anything yeah um so you you touched on a bit about uh people sharing drinks and stuff on social media um who are your favorite people and brands to follow right now oh that's such a good question i have you been watching jose andre oh no so he's an amazing chef in america he's spanish but he works in america um he's full of exuberance and love and he runs a you know, really interesting organizations to try and get uh, tries to get food to people and he does, he's been doing this since before this whole thing happened you know for, for just worldwide disasters trying to get people a hot meal and um he he makes food but he also makes cocktail he but with with lack of pomposity for a top chef that is really heartwarming because a lot of the a lot of the have you seen some of the chefs being terribly serious in their home kitchens and they're not yeah yeah Sometimes I, I think perhaps they should stay in the in the kitchen and not put the camera on them. But like, Jose, you just want you just laugh and he gets a bit drunk and he involves his kids and uh, yeah, it oh, really gives good. me a thrill to watch him. Who have you been watching? Um, there's been a variety actually. I spend because my job is social media. I spend all my days on social media, and it becomes a bit blurry. Um. But I've been really enjoying um, Kirsten Jarrett. Jarrett? Oh my Ooh, god, Kirsten, I've never said your last name, so sorry if you're listening. I've completely mispronounced it. Um, but she's um, been doing, playing around with IGTVs and making cocktails and infusions and stuff, and just playing around with products at home. And it's quite lovely to watch because she's doing what we're all sort of thinking of doing or doing ourselves and it's so nice to see someone with the skills sharing that sort of journey yeah and I, so, I think making things really nice and simple is, is is the key at this point isn't it because 
you know we are at home we might not have everything we do need a way in yeah but some of them I forgot to tell you also I love Zev Glester he's um he's on Instagram as raise um raise the bar um like raise as in raise up and then yeah. Zed Z I suppose they would say a bar and he's the, he was a bartender at the modern in New York at MoMA which is a, a Danny Meyer restaurant but super swanky but He's been doing the most crazy, colourful, wonderful um, cocktails. And just looking at his page makes you happy when you look at the colours. And it's and he just did one, actually, um, and a non-alcohol one with some um, chamomile, which was really beautiful. Chamomile and pineapple soda. Because mm. sometimes I think we do also need to have that counterbalance, don't we? I've been drinking way too much in lockdown. <laughs> yeah. Way too much. <laughs> It just happens earlier and earlier. I think, oh, I must experiment with a cocktail today. I must be making this and really just an excuse to load alcohol in. Oh, don't worry. Uh, on Tuesday, I accidentally drank half a bottle of tequila and I don't know how I managed it, but it happened. What um, time of the day? Was it on the was it Tuesday day? That would be impressive. It, it actually was in the evening. Okay. I've been pretty good at not starting too early but I think it's because I sort of get caught up in work and then mm. suddenly it's four o'clock yeah and so it's I mean I barely remember to drink water so so luckily I keep the tea tea going during the day but I do find in the evening in order to avoid the drinking you have to have something super delicious you have to I will prepare a nice tea for the evening or I'll make something um Mm. really good because it, you, you need a treat it's not it's more the treat than the alcohol that we need and yeah it, you know a glass of water is not going to cut the mustard no it really it really doesn't especially london water Jesus. <laughs> and also actually not the caffeine i have i have had some issues with anxiety as well in the evening thinking oh my god what's gonna happen um and i'm feeling the idea of letting people down letting farmers around the world down who need us now more than ever is really ramped up things for me so I try not to drink caffeine after um after the early afternoon and that's when I I was really lay into the beautiful herbs and herbs are just as nuanced and exciting as tea you know you could have um a lemon verbena that was grown in France or a lemon verbena that was grown in Malawi or a lemon verbena that was grown in um, Sri Lanka or Mexico and the flavor profiles would be completely different you know you've got this such a variety and everything you know about wine say is true of tea or herbs where you grow it how you grow it how you harvest it how you craft it will give you different flavors and so you can really start getting into simple things like lemon verbena and and playing around with them and infusing them different ways yeah there's just there's so much diversity in it it's mm. it's endless I was in um, Israel early last last year, and um, they were infusing um, geranium. And I'd oh. never really played with geranium before. I'd always thought um, it would be a bit too too much. But they'll take fresh geranium and infuse it in hot and in cold water. So if you've got a geranium sitting in your in your house plants, mm. have a play around with them. I've just been doing it because I've got some. I've, and I've got rosemary, which I also found really way too strong to extract into drinks before. And I always found cocktails that were heavy on the rosemary, not very pleasant. But now that's all I've got, geraniums and rosemary as my yeah. houseplants. I'm really starting to 
to experiment, find ways of extracting just the flavour I want out of them, which is which you know drinks people are so much better at perhaps than or chefs than than anyone else thinking there is a possibility to get something out of this that I'm not getting on first extraction or for the first attempt. Yeah, you have to you have to play and record what you do. I think that's the biggest thing oh, I've learned yes. is because you'll do something, you'll be like, that's delicious. Oh my God. Or, and, and then you'll sort of try some more and then you'll go, no, the second one was definitely the best. And then you can't remember what you did. <laughs> I am the laughing stock of the office because I do the blending. You know, I've, I've been yeah. blending teas for, you know, 20 years. And still to this day, I have to have someone beside me because I will completely forget to note down what I'm doing. I also have to have mm-hmm. somebody making sure I put the right teas in because I'll then pick up the wrong tea and think, oh, okay, I've got, I'm using this one, that one. I'm like, no, that you just picked up the wrong, you know, the wrong packet, Henrietta. <laughs> so really, I'm, I'm, they, they, they laugh at me for good reason. I'm not very good at being efficient and organised, so I'm not that good during lockdown. I have to be super scrupulous with myself. And actually what I found to do is to record it um, on my iPhone so that I can... I could watch what I'm doing in case I don't write it down properly because I'm distracted with like, oh, this is amazing. Yeah, that's a really good idea, actually. My phones are very, very useful right now. Yeah. For multiple reasons. They are. And just there's a there's an amazing farmer who worked within the Himalayas in India and he came to visit our offices and he's you know, from this completely other world. And he said, you know, to talk to everyone, um, you've got this amazing tool that connects you with the world and it's the most beautiful thing, but you've got to use it as a tool and not as a torture device. And we kind of know when we're doing it, don't we? You know when you're, I mean, as you specifically in social media, you know you know you're looking at it for work and then you know when you're just scrolling. Yeah. And I'm very, very conscious about, uh, how to put it, but what, what I allow onto my screen. So... Gosh, that's a good I'm, way of putting it. I'm very uh, conscious of who I'm following. If something upsets me or offends me or I don't agree with it, I simply unfollow them. I think we've sort of bred into a culture of uh, once you follow someone, you feel like you're stuck with them. Or yeah, I feel like I might upset them if I unfollow them. Yeah, like, yeah, and it's that sort rude. of thing of... What, what what would you rather? Would you rather start an argument with them online, which is never the answer? Or would you rather make yourself miserable every time you look at your phone? And it's sort of that, no, it, this is my space. This is my mm. world and I'm going to curate it and make it something that makes me feel positive. So, yeah, I, I do every now and again have a little cull where I just go, this person, you know, I've got nothing against them, nothing against what they do, but it's just not not for me right yeah now. no I'm with you I do that um, on Instagram but I have Twitter for the other thing because I realized um when um the American elections when Trump was elected that I realized I had a very difficult I, I had a very difficult um I, was, I found it very difficult to understand that and then with Brexit I was mm-hmm. found it difficult to understand how people could think so differently and so I started yeah. following people from the other from the other standpoint on Twitter just to see what their what the dialogue was about. So why was I seeing one siloed look at the world and someone else seeing the other? So I but I only have that on Twitter. I follow a few weird people on Twitter just to see what the rest of the world thinks. Yeah. It feels like it's quite polarized, isn't it? There's half think this way and half think 
another spot. Yeah, really does. But, it, it but I quite do, good. If we have a look at it. I dip in once or twice a week to have a look and just and I'll allow myself a small piece of you know like half an hour just to to be shocked, but to be informed. Yeah. So that I'm not yeah, blindsided again. I think. I mean, it, it's. Is Trump going to win another election? Maybe. It's funny to think that he's still popular. It's it's madness. It's the type of thing. I'm I'm the type of person who sort of has to sort of shut it out because if I can't control it myself, I'm quite a controlling person. Mm. Then I'm like, nope, I have to put it away because otherwise it will stress me out and I have no control over it. And I'll do what I can, but I know that there's a limit. So you don't watch the news? Not really. I mean, I was watching the daily updates from the government um, for a short while. And then once they stopped making announcements that were actually relevant to yeah. me, yeah. I just shut it off. I, I just stopped. I don't really I try not to read too much about it or do yeah. anything. I'm quite happy to stay at home, keep away from others and just continue and focus on my business, my community, yeah, and do that. That's something I have control over. That's something yes. that I can make a change in. So that's what I'll focus on. That's very, very sensible. I think you know, worrying about the things that you can, you can make a difference in. It's true because yeah. we can't. We we do. It, it's a very strange situation to be so powerless and to be also little able to help people. You know, the the response. The, the desire, I think, in times like this is to, to rush out to the streets and try and help people and not being able to, to be helping them by staying at home is very, it's very counterintuitive. But yeah. there are ways that our communities are linked and there are so many things we just have to, we just, finding them gives us huge satisfaction, finding ways we can support communities outside of ourselves, our own little bubbles is, is keeping me sane anyway. I'm not sure about yeah. clapping. What do you feel about the clapping? Uh, I did it once and maybe half a time after that. I thought the first time was lovely and it felt like it was a real sense of community. Yeah. Um, um, but the repetition of it for me makes it lose. And it's, it's so value. pointless. It doesn't achieve anything. Yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd love, I think we would find things that we can actually practically do that make a difference in people's lives. Yeah. And there's been times where I've been working um, and my husband's been working yeah. and then we'll hear the clapping outside and we'll sort of be like, we'd be stopping doing something useful. Yeah. To, <laughs> to sort of look at our neighbours that we never speak to because we're in London and we just about know the people who live downstairs. It's, it's very odd and I find it quite surreal. And I have family who live in the countryside in the middle of nowhere. So talking to them, they're sort of like, well, there's no point. We we can't hear anybody else. They no. can't hear us. We're, we're clapping to sheep. <laughs> it's sort of it's not the same. Um, no, no, and it's nice to hear you say that as well. That you're so busy that you forget to get a drink of water. Because I do feel that too. I I feel so busy now and busier than I've ever been before. And trying to fit mm. so much in, and yet time is very difficult to um to get a handle on, isn't it? The time just disappears. Oh, it's it's all over the place. I barely know what day it is or what time it is or where I'm meant to be and when it's but I'm sort of I'm looking forward to this holiday weekend because I'm just going to switch off are you going to 
not sure. Depends on how the rest of the week goes because of um, helping a friend with a bottling sanitizer. I'm not sure how long that will go on for, what will be needed and things. That's such so... a lovely practical thing to do. So you're going to actually be physically packing sanitizer boxes. Uh, yeah, that's literally, literally what we did yesterday and today. So yesterday I was mainly on the labelling of the bottles, on the labelling machine, and just putting the bottle through the machine, labelled, and then we've got quite a good, they've got a really good setup where it's sort of all laid out so you're really close together so you don't have to move you know the labeled bottles over to the bottling machine and then move yeah. them to the uh lids section yeah. it's all really close so we've sort there was uh six or seven of us just each on a station doing far enough apart to be safe but close enough to talk that's it and, oh uh, did you just the... gabble and gabble and chat and chat and enjoy the company Yep, and laugh at each other when we all inevitably spilt bottles of sanitizer because a lot gets spilt. So we were very sanitized by the end of it. <laughs> well, it must have been so nice. Did you listen to music or did you just talk? Um, we listened to a bit. There was uh, we were having issues with the the sound system, but yeah, mostly chatting away and chatting about rubbish. You know, oh, nothing good. in particular, um, yeah. which was it was lovely. But yeah, that sort of. Um, because they've got orders coming in from hospitals, they're supplying the Met Police. Gosh, um, and it's, you know, they recently, I think they had an order go out to a hospital on Saturday and they contacted them yesterday to say we've run out. God, so How wonderful all... though to be doing something really practical and useful and know that every time, every moment of your day is useful in, in, in doing that. Yes, it's, it's a lovely thing to do and and to, I'm I'm really happy that my friend's business has been able to keep Adapting. going. Yeah. Yeah, cuz he's he's uh, their main thing is they're a gin distillery. Um and they've just stopped making gin. They just don't need to right yeah. now. And uh but it's meant that he's been able to keep on his staff. Um he's been able to keep his business running and it's uh that's wonderful. It's lovely to be able to support that. But on that note, um, what what can we do to support you and your business right now? What what would you like people to to action right now? Well, that's such a lovely thing to say. Thank you so much. And it's not um, it's it's not just about um, keeping our business going. It really is about connecting people for the long term because we in tea it's. Mm-hmm. The long-term sustainability of these communities goes beyond this this crisis of COVID. Is really for people to understand that there are there are people behind tea and they matter and their communities matter. And when you buy your tea, your choice has an impact on those communities. We're all connected by the cup we drink. And if you if you know where that comes from and you know that cup is supporting somebody mm. more vulnerable than yourself to have a have a better life, that that's a long-term change. I'd love people to make and. A lot of um, our friends and family within the drinks world, they've already made that connection and they know it, but it's sharing it beyond. So if you could persuade somebody to try a delicious cup of tea and see the difference it will make in their lives, not just the community who makes it, but when good tea tastes fucking amazing. It doesn't, it's nothing like an industrial bag. It's like the difference between, I don't know, wine that comes in a, in a cardboard uh, box in a plastic badger or instant coffee to in comparison with a coffee bean you know like really good crafted tea made 
made for value, it's, it's a completely different drink than an industrial bag. I think just getting, please share that, uh, that thought that you could have a much more beautiful, pleasurable life for a few pennies. It's not like you have to trade up to an expensive bottle of, uh, of whiskey or a really expensive bottle of wine that's going to cost you, you know, tens of pounds. This is just tens of pence. Yeah. So please, please, will you, will, will, can, we, can we have some evangelists out there to go and spread the word of beautiful tea? And if you haven't tried a lovely tea, please, you know, if you think that green tea is a bitter drink for virtuous people, please go and try something like a Longjing a Dragon World tea and make it 70 degrees water at two and a half grams for 50, uh, so 150 mil. You make it like you would a cocktail with precision and, and love and you'll be like, if you haven't already discovered the pleasure of it, it will change your life so much for the better. So I think I'm, we can- I'm such a green tea gal. I love oh, a green tea. Isn't it? And it's so sad when you have people say, oh, I don't really like green tea. And it, it'd be like saying, you know, um, if you've only ever tried an industrial tea bag, green tea, mm -hmm. and it'd be like saying, you know, I don't really like white wine and you'd only ever tried Piedor or something, J um, Jacob's Creek, or, I don't know. I'm, I really yeah. don't drink a lot of mine. I'm not very knowledgeable about it. <laughs> so please forgive me if that was a silly thing to say. But you know what I mean, like a um, a crappy a crappy wine that was made industrially won't yeah. be as delicious as a lovely one. Yeah. So we we and it, we do ship all over the world. So you can stay at home and have lovely tea, and then and that's an amazing thing. I think that that the supply chains have stayed open. We've we've been able to get tea and the tea harvest have been able to come in and that whole if we can keep that world going then that's communities continue to be supported because they don't have any savings they don't have any um cut what do you call what do you call it uh, cloth to cut in hard times like we do so it's they, they it's not like they can survive a whole season without their tea um their tea harvests coming in and being sold so if you're thinking about where you would spend your precious pennies now, please spend them on, even if it's just um, one Sunday a month, have lovely tea. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll, I'll link the I'll link the website and all your details and things in the description yeah. box. So um, do just head to the description and you can click straight through to the website so that you can look at all the teas that are available and start making some choices and make some you know, and ask questions go to go on on instagram at rare tea or rare, rare tea company or rare tea lady ask questions if you have any about how to infuse or what you would like to or, or any questions about how to infuse an alcohol or anything we love those questions more than anything if i could talk about tea all day i'd be the happiest mm -hmm. woman yeah, your whole team is so knowledgeable as well from speaking to members of the team. It's it's really worth sort of just saying, look, I've got this, but I'm not really sure what to do with it and how to make it the best it could possibly be. So what do yeah. I need to do to it? Well, they might have um, a question about, I really am I'm super interested in smoky flavours or nutty flavours or fruity flavours, mm -hmm. you know, and I don't want to use a, a fruity tea bag that's got some chemicals all over it. How would I get notes of apricot or where would I look for butter or or umami you know we could we could really point you in the right direction yeah perfect well we're on to our last question now which is the hardest one and that's what's your favorite drink at the moment mezcal oh really yeah if i'm not drinking tea which i do all day i have 
I've been discovering, um, I spent some time in Mexico the, uh, at the, is it beginning of this year? Yeah, it was this year, shit. Wow. Like such a long time ago. And um, yeah, I traveled around Mexico and I, I've always loved uh, mezcal. But you know, I was doing um, a cocktail with Dick Bradsell before he died. The chap who invented the espresso martini, the most amazing cocktail maker who's ever lived, perhaps. And um, Dick and I were, were working on a cocktail with mezcal, um, which had rooibos in it. And um, I took some rooibos with me when I was in, in Mexico. I played around with some, some mezcals. And please do try those two things together. The, the wild rooibos that we sell is a lot more deep and nuanced in flavor than, um, than a commercial one. Mm. But um, it could be the new espresso martini. Try rooibos and mezcal. Oh, I will do. I think I have some rooibos, actually. I need to check my tea cupboard. What's go- I've not- no idea what's going on in there and what we have and what we don't there's, have. There's something about it. There's something about how how every bottle is so different that fascinates me. Mm. Yeah, it is. I love agave spirits. I think they're... I'm pretty, just pretty keen on, uh, on tequila as well. I like the... Um, yeah. I like um, the, the filtered ones. I'm not sure if that's cool or not in the Prince world. I love them. Oh, the crystal, are they called crystal? Yeah, I think so. I've got a Casam, uh, no, what's it called? Enemigo um, filtered Anejo, which is beautiful. But then, so they've got that lovely refined flavor and then you've got the kind of crazy depth of the mezcal. Hmm. Yes. Oh, lovely. anyway, let's stop oh, talking about that this early in the morning or I'm gonna get, uh, <laughs> get my thing on. <laughs> what was the tequila you drank half a bottle of? Uh, Altos. Oh, do you know, um, I've won lots of awards over the years with Altos and Jasmine Silvertip. We've won cocktail awards, cocktails with oh, that. And then um, Henry was a very good friend of mine. Who, again, oh, amazing. Yeah, it's delicious and very handy because it's on a cardo. It just makes <laughs> life so much easier. And you just do a food shop and it's like, oh, bottle of tequila's got in. Oh, my God, yeah. And then um, how about and a bottle of beef eater? Always good, too. Mm. Yes, that is, I will always recommend that as a easy, you can pick it up in your supermarket, great, just great value, very good to eat because it's a nice simple um, gin, it hasn't got too many um, crazy flavours going on, um, it's yeah. really great base for a tea cocktail. Yes, oh, have to try that. Oh, well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for talking to you. Oh, well, um, we will be back next week with another episode. But for now, check out the description box for all of Henrietta's details. Um, 